Hello, you are listening to the Book Table Podcast with me, Fee, and I'm joined today by the lovely Annie. Hi. And the wonderful Sophie. Hey. Did you like that? <laughs> yes, we appreciate the compliment. I, I, I always love being complimented. Let's keep that in. Okay. You know? Anyway, so this episode, we are talking all about book covers. Um, the real question, can you judge a book by its cover? And I think in this episode, we have we have determined, yes, yes, you can. And we're going to tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. mm-hmm. grab a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, sit back, listen to us around all sorts of book covers and join in every now and then if you would like. <laughs> I mean, we won't hear you, but why not? <laughs> Hope you enjoy. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start off with the big question do you judge a book by its cover yeah absolutely yes without question isn't that quite bad that we do that like where did this saying come from don't judge a book by its cover and why do we keep saying it because we all judge a book by its cover I feel like don't judge a book by its cover now as a saying applies less to books and more in an abstract sense if you know what I mean like I feel like the real meaning yeah behind that saying is not about books it's about just being judgmental of people's appearances <laughs> look <laughs> like, humans are judgmental it's just gonna happen <laughs> yeah like we, we we instinctively make snap judgments about everything and it's not like we can't change our minds if we read the blurb and are like actually this is good but of course the first thing you see when you pick up a book is its cover so you are going to yeah. make that instant first impression based on that. What's interesting is the phrase was originally attributed to a 1994 edition of the African Journal American Speech. You can't judge a book by its binding. Oh. And it then became in a 1946 murder mystery, Murder in the Glass Room by Lester Fuller and Edwin Wolf. Rolf. You can never tell a book by its cover. So I'm curious i don't think like illustrated very sort of well printed covers were a thing in the 40s what they meant by don't judge a book by its cover is don't judge a book by the quality like the physical quality of the materials yeah Yeah. that makes sense to me now a book cover is something like i think a book cover is completely different to what it was in 1944 you know it's it's part of the book it is part like it's a really significant contributor of the whole book experience now it's a paratext it mediates between sorry to be you know an English literature flat but it's no don't apologize you are you studied English literature use your degree (laughs) it mediates between the reader and the text right and that that's not a bad thing that it it it's serving a function it's media you know it's yeah part of the delivery system of the book and it's also a work of art in its own right you know yeah people get paid and hired specifically to create covers and good covers to attract the eye it is the marketing the first bit of marketing for the book because when you look at go into a bookstore that is what you see yeah so I think what's interesting is it originates from a time in which the quality of the book binding didn't relate to the literature inside 
but necessarily the quality of the bookbinding didn't relate to the quality of the literature inside. But I sort of think now, it's not a question of quality equals quality in terms of cover, but a lot of the inside of the book is represented on the outside of the book. And someone who reads widely knows how to sort of look, like read the cover and the cover tells you a lot mm -hmm. about yeah whether you'll like the book having said that some covers are better than others oh absolutely yeah. so <laughs> so going on that what are some of the book covers that you like or what do you like in a book cover I have a lot of varied tastes but I think when I think about really effective book covers uh, book covers when I think about really effective <laughs> book covers it's sort of bold graphic design and really simple sort of elements you know what I mean and I think oftentimes when I think about the best book covers I'm not necessarily thinking about any one book so much as I am like book series book imprints I'm thinking about you know yeah. Yeah. your traditional penguins with the sort of the tour and stripes and the title in the middle I sort of think those are beautiful you know it but that doesn't tell you anything about the book inside and I love you know the penguin modern classics covers with the like oh the cloth bound ones no I'm thinking of the like the oh. paperbacks with the Tiffany blue like writing and the oh the, yeah oh yes you know? okay yeah 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 or um I love covers that are just um, really good typography, you know? Yes, so I completely agree. Title, but the title written really well. See, like that, my mind instantly goes to Black Swans by Eve Babbitts. Mm, and it's okay. a nice emerald green cover. Really, uh, it's just the title in big pastel pink writing. And it's stunning. I think it's such a stunning cover. And while it doesn't tell you what it the book is about, it doesn't have to. It just the mystery almost draws you in. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking of the copy of um, Tristram Shandy by Lawrence Stern that I read when I first read that book, and it's just it's it's typography, but. Mm. And it might it might be the full title, which is something like The Life and Times of Tristram Shandy Gentleman. But it, even though it's just a typographic cover, it manages to get across the complete chaos of this book so well. <laughs> like it's a chaotic mess of a book. And that's sort of one of the things that it does so well. And this cover just, it's simple, elegant design that conveys that sense of mess and chaos and explosion in the book. Mm. I haven't thought about Tristram Shandy in years and I'm just getting first year English flashbacks of when we had to read it and I did not enjoy the experience. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, I'm getting more flashbacks. Oh, I love Tristram Shandy. <laughs> oh God. I love Tristram Shandy. I think it's sort of a dangerous book to teach, but I love it, you know? I think it's the book that I would have enjoyed more if I hadn't had to study it and had to read yeah. it with a set deadline. You know, there are books like that where you're just like, I would enjoy this if I wasn't stressed deeply. 
yeah. I've never heard of this book. So what what is it about? Because I'm curious now. <laughs> oh, that's that's the question. So it's believed to be one of the first ever novels, and it's right at the beginning of the invention of the novel. Mm. And Tristram Shandy sets out to write his autobiography. So it's narrated in first person. I am Tristram Shandy. But he keeps on getting distracted. And so it sort of just wanders and meanders and digresses. And he keeps on being like, oh, and this is the life story of the doctor who delivered me. And it's like split into loads of different parts. And there's loads of like clever details in it. You know, there's a, Mm -hmm. um, after a character dies, there's a page that's completely blacked out to represent like the death of that character. Um, And there's every copy has in it a marbled page, you know, marbled paper. Mm. So originally every copy had marbled paper in it. And sort of within the context of the story, he's making this point about how, or Lawrence Stern, not Tristram Shandy, Lawrence Stern is the author. And he's making this point about how every single copy of the book will be a different book because every single copy will have a completely different marble page. except now with modern printing techniques you can photocopy a marbled page and every single book has the same marbled page in it yeah it's just it's so glorious it's a book that's best read either like in one sitting because you're so in love with it or just like you pick it up you put it down you meander around because it's not got a plot it's not you know you don't have to have followed along completely it's more just an enjoyable experience you know interesting that doesn't I mean you know that's my pro so I'm so sure Soph can now give you sort of the con of it no no I agree I like the stuff that it does I think and it's the kind of book I would have enjoyed if I hadn't had to read it for a tight deadline and it just being like it's just that it's just that that classic thing of studying English sometimes just ruins books for you Mm because I was like this is really interesting and I would enjoy it if I didn't have to read it in a week and I wasn't incredibly yeah. stressed about it, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> mm. Anyway, uh, digression. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you like, Sophie, in a book? In a um, book cover. So I was kind of thinking about this, and I feel like I do quite like book covers that give you, I guess, a vibe or a sense of the world. Like, and I think mm. I was trying to think about this, and I think this particularly comes from the fact that I really enjoy fantasy as a genre, and like I feel like book covers in fantasy are very important. Like for contemporary fiction, I feel like they can give you a vibe for things, but it's not as important. But for like fantasy books, you really—it's such a broad genre. You really need to get the cover can really help you get that sense of what kind of book you're getting in for, like. If it's got like some sweeping vista of a fantasy world, you're kind of like, oh, okay, this is going to be like an adventuring type book. If it's got like heraldry or crests on the cover, you're kind of like, okay, this is going to be one of those like political, like, you know, political kingdoms type type things. And if it's got, I don't know, like a lot of flowers or something on it, you're like, oh, this is probably more going down the romance path. I feel like that you know careful well done fantasy book covers can really give you that sense of what adventure you're going to kind of get into and just help you pick up the vibes of the book beforehand and I find that kind of really useful for gauging what I might and might not like. Mm. Mm. I find V.E. Schwab has really good 
covers for a fantasy for her fantasy oh books. yeah I like uh, yeah I think it's simplistic in that it doesn't give too much away but you get a sense of the world or the vibe the world of the world you're going to be entering into through this book yeah well and I also think that fantasy covers are pictographic you know yeah so but mm -hmm. the trick is to get the vibe of the story without having any like direct elements of the story like giving away something you know you have to explain everything about what the book is a good cover tells you everything about the experience of the book and nothing about the details of the book yeah oh that's you know such a I mean? good line that is a good statement there <laughs> i'm putting that on a t-shirt <laughs> um yeah it, it it should tell you exactly what you're going to experience without giving any plot details away and i think v schwab there are things like none of her that there are characters on the cover but you can't see their faces things yeah. like that you know what i mean yeah, like, and i appreciate that you have no idea who these people are i hate character like, like when they've drawn the character and put it on the cover it feels like i want to imagine the character from what you've told me in the book rather than from what i'm going off the cover yeah no that i i totally agree with that that um, and like picture the only ones i don't mind are like the old penguin uh jane austen uh books you know when they would have like a painting of someone from that era yeah um, but i sort of think that's the same sort of thing because it's a painted like it's the same thing with any with this, your sort of penguin classics that have a photograph on the cover and even if they have a photograph of people those people aren't the you know they're those when those books have covers with people on them the people aren't supposed to be the characters of the books yeah they're just supposed to be the general sort of vibe yeah you know? the time yeah. reference yeah one thing i think i want to draw a distinction between the, the uh, sort of um pictographic covers with illustrations of characters and illustrated books which mm -hmm. i think is completely different you know oh yeah obviously like i think if a book is illustrated then it should absolutely have all of the characters on the front page if that's necessary it should be you know the best illustration from the thing the best illustration yeah. from the book goes on the mm -hmm. cover sort of thing yeah that i don't mind but if the book isn't illustrated if the only illustration is the one on the cover then i don't want to see faces i don't want to have too much detail i don't want to um i don't want to steal your joke about um the cover of red white and royal blue but you were so right and i will never look at that cover in the same way again yeah, so just because of like, uh, I really love Red Rival Royal Blue. It's easily the best book I, I I read last year. But and I think this didn't impact me as much because I first listened to it as an audiobook. But I just recently got the physical copy and I looked at the pictures of Alex and Henry more closely. And um, Henry's face just kind of looks like it's melting <laughs> off. And I'm just like, oh, so, like, what happened to you? Are you okay? It, it just looks like his face is melting. And I'm just like, this is not the best. You feel like there was a there was a there was a better illustration that could have been. You know what's weird yeah, is that that like... cover would be perfect if it didn't have the characters on them. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Or if they were represented by like pictographic symbols or something. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I feel I feel like so for me, I really love um Taylor Jenkins Reed's books. Um yeah. I still have yet to read uh The Husbands of Evelyn Evelyn Hugo. Yeah, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's yeah, confusing because there's also the like Ten Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Yeah, I've got that book. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to like <laughs> rearrange my brain to make sure I'm saying the right title. Yeah. But I, the only cover I like is the Malibu Rising cover because it's just, Malibu Rising. it's a beautiful cover. It, the pastels, the, the wave, it's so lovely. And that's all I need to get me into it. I don't need, you know, I didn't want a picture of Daisy Jones on the cover I wanted to imagine Daisy Jones oh that's so interesting I kind of liked that cover because really yeah because it looked a little bit like an album cover like I liked how sort of musical it looked and I also I really love the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo book because you can't see her face like that I kind of like I don't mind that as much as like having the whole person there like so Mexican Gothic, um, Evelyn Hugo, those types of books covers are less um, annoying to me, yeah. I guess, then. But I think you're yeah, right that Malibu Rising is the best cover of all of her oh, books. Oh, it's stunning. It is stunning. Yeah. And I sort of think that is, I think when I think back at the authors who I love and whose books I've read, it's always once they are an established author that they get the stunning, stunning covers. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, I was thinking about John Green and it's only like, his covers are better than most. Like, and I think that speaks to the fact that male authors get better covers earlier on, you know? Yeah, yeah. But the best like his covers start to get incredible and they have these really distinctive designs that somehow look like the way he writes right around Mm -hmm. the fault in our stars yeah which I mean that's the book that put him on the map but he was already a successful established author by then and the same thing with uh Taylor Jenkins Reid once Daisy Jones was this huge success Malibu Rising has this glorious glorious cover which is kind of the opposite of, of once an author's established to me I know whether or not I'm going to read their books yes yeah. baby authors and sort of novels by people I maybe haven't heard of where the cover has the biggest impact on whether I read it or not mm-hmm. that's so true that is so true I've just you've just uncovered a personality trait now I have <laughs> yeah okay I was just wondering if um do you think the authors get a say in how their covers look or do you think it's more of the publisher's uh dictation oh my god have you seen the covers that stephanie meyer made for hold on one minute i i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your minds um oh my gosh recently but i can't remember See, I quite like the Twilight covers. I think they were good covers. I think they're pretty, like, kind of decent. But give it, again, giving you vibe, at least the original ones, when they're just, like, black and then there's, like, a red object or something. 
yeah exactly give you the right vibes i feel which is it's mostly simplicity yeah like most of what i want from a book cover is just vibes like that general sense of what the book is gonna be it it doesn't have to be very detailed illustrations although i really like you know i like a lot of book covers that have like scenery on them or something It, it it can be just as important to just get that like if you can make it succinct then that's fine Ooh, what is this? Okay, Annie sent us a link. Right, so what happened was when Stephanie Meyer was sending out copies for her friends to read of just like what she'd written so far of Twilight, she designed her own covers for them. Oh my god! And you know what? You have to respect that she's willing to just put these on her website and be like, these are crap. Let's laugh about it together. Well, do you know what this gives me vibes of? It gives me vibes of like fanfic covers. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, just gone on um, like uh, Photoshop and you know they did their best also bless her do you notice how the Eclipse ones have um, Robert Pattinson and Taylor Lautner on them oh my god what the fuck oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I, I'm very confused about how this Eclipse is working yeah I'm almost I mean <sighs> They're so bad. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Do you know what? It's the fading for me. It's like the fading of like the hand, the fading of the face. Yeah. It's, like it's also it... the um the yeah, font. The font is... Yeah. I'm sorry, the font in the second Twilight one. So it goes forks and then Twilight. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> and it's just it looks so like it... I understand that a podcast is not the best medium to have this discussion, but the only way I can explain this is that it looks like a year six biology textbook. <laughs> we we can put a link in it's in the description. So and you know the hand and the trees and the veins. Oh it's, my gosh! It's a choice. It I does. mean, again, you know give her credit like yeah she obviously manifested it and they and the thing is they would have had to see these covers and be like oh so maybe what were you thinking and she showed them to them most likely because you see the hands and like and then she put it up on her website so that we could all see which props props to her exactly knowing they were they're titled craptastic so she knows they're bad it's (laughs) She knows. Oh, no, she knows they're bad and like all power to her elbow she knows they're bad and she's like aren't these hilarious let's have fun with these together yeah. you know yeah. what i mean i respect yeah, and that. oh yeah i respect that as well yeah so i think we were starting to talk about do authors have control over <laughs> their covers and what i wanted to say with these is maybe they shouldn't you know yeah yeah, like, that, yeah maybe author, they shouldn't. you'd probably want like Obviously, unless you are amazingly talented as an artist, probably not a good idea to design your own cover. I I think like mm. it would be nice if you had a say in like the general kind of aesthetic that you wanted, or maybe like an artist that you had in mind. But like otherwise, I would you know leave it to the professionals. Hopefully, they'll do. Do you know what? I want to know who decides the Mills and Boons covers because those <laughs> covers are just ridiculous. Like they actually probably hire models to pose for these covers. 
Like I, I was oh, on gosh, TikTok yeah. the other day and I saw this um, Scottish couple and they were going through Scottish themed Mills and Boone's books. And like one was called Tame the Highlander. And it was just like this guy topless with like huge six pack with like a kilt on and that was it and then he was like caressing the woman who pretty much had nothing but like a slinky dress on and it was just I just looked at it and I was just thought why would why would you have these as I mean I think I think sort of I guess commercial women's romance covers are very interesting. They don't have the best covers. Can we talk about the um Jilly Cooper Riders cover? Which one is which one's that? Uh, uh, <laughs> I just googled it. Let me see. Uh, oh yeah. my god. Like <laughs> the, the riders one. I'll I'll put links. In the description, so that you guys can see the riders but, uh, one. It, it is a choice. Um, yeah, the riders, and I love how when she became like a, a more successful author and was allowed more cover control, the hand just sort of drifted inwards. Oh wait, it went inwards when she got control and not up. Oh, oh my God. God. inwards. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, speaking of which. Sort of just speaking of authors getting control over their own yeah. covers. Um, the Looking for Alaska cover. So Looking for Alaska by John Green. It was his first novel. And it's, among other things, it had some teenagers smoking in it. And the cover was originally just this plume, not plume of smoke, this really thin curl of smoke going up. Um, I mean, it's not the best cover in the world, but it's effective. Um, but apparently... Everyone thought, oh no, it looks like cigarette smoke. And sort of John Green was like, yeah, no, that's because it is. <laughs> and someone just flipped out. And so they put like a candle there. There's like the most of the time that it was in print until like 2000 and I don't know, the first 10 years it was in print, let's say. There was this tiny little um, candle wick to, so that the smoke looked like it was coming from a blown out candle. Um, and when he became a successful enough author to have control over these things, the candle was just, the candle was taken away and it could once again be a plume <laughs> of cigarette smoke. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Yeah. Well, the British cover is different anyway, so it's not yeah. like... I remember the heart one, the heart in the... in the. Yeah, that's the one I have. I was looking over it. Yeah. Like, I do not see any smoke. <laughs> but I think I do like the daisy one. But I like that when they they change the covers. Maybe I think they've changed the cover after John Green's success and go, okay, we've got a vibe for him now. So we need to change the covers to fit the aesthetic of his collection of work. Although I will say, I think the best one is the one which <laughs> is like the plume of smoke in the with the Fault in Our Stars vibes. Hold on one minute. Oh yeah, I like that. So it's the font that became his trademark after uh, the Fault in Our Stars and then just sort of three lines representing that really mm. thin, like, curl of smoke. Um, and I think that, that to me, is even better than the daisies. Yeah, I think either way, the, the, sim like, the simplistic nature of the cover is just so much more aesthetic. 
I think simple covers are always better. They are. Do you know what? I think it's that I like the idea of not of people not knowing what I'm reading from the cover. So what's interesting is I think simple covers are always better, but you don't get simple covers until you're an author who people buy for something other than the cover. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm probably far more likely to buy a book with a beautiful but not simple cover. I'm looking right now at the uh, book that you got me for Christmas, Soph, um, Ariadne. And it's just got this beautiful sort of um, Greek, like blue detailing and vines and copper leaves. Mm -hmm. And it's gorgeous, but it's not simple. But you look at it and you know, oh, that's a that's one of these sort of Greek mythology books. And it looks beautiful. And but like, you know, 10 years, if the author keeps on being successful, I'm sure there will be a reprint where it's got the same vibes, but it's simpler. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Ariadne, Circe, Pandora's Jar. Those covers for me are really pretty. Some are more simplistic than others, but I think all of them do have an essence of hinting it's a Greek retelling. Um, Apart from the original Song of Achilles cover, which is too sort of photographic for me, you know? I like the shield and the... Yeah, I agree. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'm really... (laughs) And when they had like the special edition, I was like, oh, that is so pretty. That is so much better yeah. than their paperback say, one. And they haven't changed oh, the paperback Oh, I think for a while cover. there was a different paperback one. It was sort of like a heart made out of um, a bow and arrow. And that I think was so much better. Oh, they do have that one, but I don't, I still mm, don't really like it. You like, like the it. one that's got like foiling. I don't, I, yeah, I like the foiling. Well, sometimes when you Google cover images, you get the American ones. Oh, that's covers that are different in the Mm, yeah I've never really understood why America and the UK get different covers like why (laughs) why do we need different covers yeah that's always puzzled me too yeah so I once read an article about why cookbooks have different covers in America Mm. um and it was talking about how British cookbooks have like really simple pictographic covers they respond well to sort of just as a single picture of the food well plated it doesn't necessarily have to be a fancy dish whereas American covers they're more likely to have more than one dish on them and they're more likely to have a photograph of the author but I believe that's not the case anymore like now American cookbooks are maintaining that kind of British cover of like bold graphic detailing and one picture of one dish um but I wouldn't say interestingly enough that those rules hold true for British covers versus English covers Mm. fiction like I think I know that there are different covers but I often couldn't tell you any rules about what the American book gets versus what the British book gets like I think part of it's just down to who publishes who has the publishing rights in what country Uh, yeah Yeah. presumably if, if it's going through a different publishing house they might decide they want something different for whatever reason I don't know it's a bit a bit confusing I don't really understand the psychology behind it of why there's a difference between the covers because uh, sometimes the American covers are really nice and the British ones aren't that great but then it's the reverse and I know that different people would prefer different covers 
of the same book. You know what really irritates me? Just speaking of covers being different. Mm. When you see a book in hardback and you really like the cover, but you know that like, you know, you're giving it a shot. So you resolve to wait until the paperback comes out. And then the paperback comes out with a different cover that you like less. Yeah. There is nothing worse than waiting for a paperback because you like loving the hardback, but wanting a paperback. Mm. And then the paperback has a different worse cover. Yeah. I can't think of one that springs to mind, but I was so happy when Ariadne got published in paperback that it was the exact same, same cover. Color. Yeah. yeah, the same color, the same cover, yeah. Oh, I know that Pandora's jar, it got in it when it was in paperback, it got published in red. <laughs> and in hardback, I've got the hardback and it's a nice like blue, like a sky blue. Yeah, these are the things I care about. I you know what I love sometimes is when Waterstones does a special slightly different cover. Yes. And I'm yeah. always like, God, I should be buying it from an independent bookshop, but the Waterstones cover is so unique and beautiful. I feel like with book covers, people do have exceptions to their rules. You know, like I don't like a photogra- photographic cover, but I love Eve Babbitt's Eve's Hollywood with the picture of her on the front. Like, I love that. And I also don't like character designs, but I love Poet X and that cover, which has a slight character design on it. So do you guys have any exceptions to your rules or covers that have challenged your rules? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I, I have one, like, which I think is my favourite book cover of all time, and it is very meaningful to me, but it is in part meaningful because of the story behind it. Mm. Um, And that is possibly my favorite book of all time, Terry Pratchett's Night Watch. So the background to this is that I normally hate sort of covers that have an illustration, but the book isn't illustrated. It's just a single illustration on the front. But the Terry Pratchett books are a huge exception to this for me and perhaps an exception that proves the rule because I think So my dad loved these books and he's been reading them since before I was born. So I'm so used to like the image of them. Yeah. And they are all, they all have this really distinctive style. So originally there was this very distinctive illustrated style that was um, established for every single Discworld book. And all the like first editions and the paperbacks had this very distinctive illustrated style done by a guy called Josh Kirby. Nightwatch was the first Discworld book to be published after after Josh Kirby died. Um, now, confusingly enough, the person who took over illustrating the new books, he'd illustrated some special editions of, uh, I think he'd illustrated the sort of the graphic novels of the Dis- Discworld versions, and his name is Paul Kidby. <laughs> so it's Josh Kirby Cur- and Paul Kidby. And it confuses mm-hmm. me every time, but Paul Kidby became the illustrator for, you know, all of the sort of, for Terry Pratchett's books going forward. And he did an amazing job at having his own distinctive style, but also paying sort of homage to um, the original uh, Josh Kirby designs. So um, part of it is it's inspired mm. by a Rembrandt painting, a Rembrandt painting called Nightwatch. Um, which I love. 
I love Rembrandt and the way that he uses lighting. So if you think of a Rembrandt painting, it will be like really dark with very specific focused light and they just look glorious. And this has that. And this is sort of, you know, the Discworld version of this. And um, Paul Kidby then went on to do a load of other sort of famous paintings, like a series of famous paintings with Discworld characters in them, which I love all of them. But this is the original. And I also love it because so... Rembrandt painted himself into that picture, Nightwatch, and as a tribute to Josh Kirby, Paul Kidby painted Josh Kirby into the place where Rembrandt was in the original picture. So I feel like it's really meaningful. And even though it's it's completely, it's Paul Kidby and Josh Kirby have a real sort of maximalist approach to the Discworld covers. But this one just there's so mm. much care and love and meaning behind it that and also you know i grew up seeing dad reading these books so i would never change these covers you know not for a million years even though mm. they go against everything i normally like in a book cover so this one is just meaningful. well i guess it's added yeah i guess that's what it is it's added meaning the covers added meaning so if you google it you will see that it sort of breaks every rule that we've been saying about minimalism not pictures of the characters you know simple like bold design but it's just glorious and i love mm. it i think that's the thing like when it, i guess it's going back to the thing you said annie about its debut authors that you are judging more of the cover you're judging the cover more when you're approaching the book mm. and when you're familiar with an author or you're familiar with a story the cover seems to matter less or it it's already got its own meaning to you as the reader so i think there are two relationships that you can have with covers that with covers that you love i think one is the cover made you love the book but the other is the book made you love the cover you know what I mean? A good cover can't save a bad book, but a good cover will be the thing that draws you into a good book that you might not have read otherwise. But if you love an author, if you love a book, if you love a series, then often you will sort of attach a kind of belovedness to the cover, even if it's really not how you would typically, like, it's really not what you like about covers. Do you guys have any like that? I think I generally go for like, I, I think I don't, like I think I don't mind more illustrative covers than you guys like I, I generally like it if it's got some sort of cover art on it of some description again not wild on drawings of characters although I, I do think I do quite like the La Belle Sauvage from the Book of Dust that does have a few of the major characters on it and it basically illustrates a scene from within the book um kind of or at least part of the climax of the book is kind of on the cover which I think is not something that I would do for a lot of covers because that's kind of you know plot spoilers and stuff but I do really like it it's a very dramatic image um of like a ship in a storm and it's it, it looks really good so I do actually really like the cover even though I generally wouldn't kind of gravitate towards books that kind of I, I'm not really a fan of book covers that kind of give away some of the plot on them. I think that's a that's not the best way to go generally. But it's interesting because that's fairly, it, it's a similar experience. That's mm. a book that you knew going in that, you know, you loved the original series. Exactly. 
And I think that does sometimes make you like book covers that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise. Fee, mm-hmm. have you got any that break your rules, but you love them anyway? Well, I've mentioned the ones that are my rule exceptions, like that I love. And I guess that is because I love the story. Yeah. But I guess, I guess also it would be, I mean, I guess that the one that comes to mind is like the Harry Potter ones. Yeah. I have the original drawings. Oh, yeah. And I think. God, I hate that, the redesign Harry Potter covers. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I love the original covers. And even though that has the drawings of the characters, it's, I don't know. It, I guess it's nostalgia maybe also, what I also think, think it's maybe oh. a little different for kids mm. yeah like, I feel like kids books having drawings of characters is a bit more kind of normal and also like maybe a little bit more helpful for kids yeah. in sort of imagining things I think it's quite nice for them to have it can sometimes be quite nice for them to have a sort of a prompt for the characters not that kids aren't perfectly <laughs> it in and of themselves but like it you know it, it kind of I don't know I think I think kids books might work on like slightly different rules Mm. for me I think you know kids books being kind of bright and colorful and maybe having some illustrations are not a bad thing also when I think of like the truly iconic illustrations they're obviously all from kids books I'm thinking of um the original Peggy Fortnum Paddington images and or the um the Nick Terry Tracy Beaker images yeah that that was so iconic that they included them in the live action tv series I mean it was was such a duo Jack and Wilson and 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 Nick Nick Terry Terry was such an iconic duo also like anything by Quentin Blake yeah yeah Uh, Quentin Blake breaks (laughs) (laughs) Roald Dahl and Quentin Blake those original Alice in Wonderland illustrations Yeah. yeah um I, I just feel like sometimes there are children's books are where you get just the most iconic like images that stay with you for the rest of your life you yeah. know weirdly enough though I really like the new style of illustrated Harry Potters I didn't like the American scholastic covers I could not stand those but I do like the new illustrations mm. a lot um, and I really like the you know the illustrated editions oh yeah 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 I think those are glorious and did you guys see the Harry Potter reunion at all? No, I didn't. I not my kind of thing. It was so weird seeing the guy who plays Dobby. I don't know why. I've just never <laughs> seen him before. <laughs> like his voice is so different. And I just was like, that's Dobby. Dobby needs a sock. <laughs> I was like, do the line. You know that scene in Shrek where he's like, do the roar. <laughs> I was like, do the line. <laughs> Master has given Dobby a sock. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was I, I quite like the reunion. Anyway, moving on. Oh, you know what? We all need to denounce, although I'm sure we've done it over and over again on this podcast. How much we all hate book covers of the TV series or oh, book covers of the films. film movie. Yeah. However, like even there, I have one single exception, which is that. Okay. I have had, it's been in my house possibly longer than I've been alive, um, a copy of Pride and Prejudice that came free with the Radio Times with Colin Firth and um, Jennifer Ely on it. And that is the only thing where I love dearly and deeply my sort of, you know, <laughs> TV edition cover. Um, 
every every other TV edition cover can go jump in a hole, but that one I love. <laughs> I watched Pride and Prejudice yesterday, not the Colin Firth one though. I watched the Kira Knightley one with um oh, just I just the the hands and like oh it just really plays to the female gaze and I absolutely adore it. Yeah, but all of that comes from the original Colin Firth, you know. Okay. They, <laughs> You, you, you. She's gonna shame you into watching. Yeah. You must. It's so good. To be fair, when I came downstairs after watching um, the Pride and Prejudice, and I told my mum, "Oh yeah, I just watched Pride and Prejudice." She was like, "Oh, the Colin Firth one." And I was like, "No." <laughs> so ultimately, I am gonna have to watch it to see what all the hype is about. Oh, you must, 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 must. It's so good. And it's so like there is something iconic about it it's sort of the thing that I think that film that series understands it's two one-hour episodes and it understands that Pride and Prejudice is the original rom-com and it's Mm. just incredible um I was just thinking about redesigns I what do you guys think about redesigns of covers do you think like how long should a book be existing until they redesign the cover and republish it as a paper whether it's paperback or whatever excluding movie excluding movie ones oh yeah uh i mean that probably depends on how good the first cover is like if the first cover is 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 fantastic then i'd be like unless you can you could one up this Mm. you know don't really want to see a new cover but if it's if it's bad then like yeah as soon as you can get get it republished in a with a with a better illustration because i've seen it a lot with re redone like valley of the dolls though like really old books even the, the virgin suicides had a cover yeah. design with it's oh, like that's one of my favorite books it's like time. pink and emerald green and like flowers oh no oh no pink and flowers oh no <laughs> it it's like Oh no! I've just seen it! Is it ruined for you? Nothing could ruin the Virgin Suicides, but for the love of God, don't judge that book by that cover. Um, That isn't a great... I mean, I guess the other covers... I like the cover. I think think it's a really nice cover. (laughs) No! it, it, It does everything wrong. And the original was so iconic and so beautiful. And the book isn't at all pink or flowery. <laughs> it's a beautiful cover. And like, you know, there, I'm sure there's a book out there that would absolutely suit that cover. But The Virgin Suicides doesn't. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's supposed to be ironic or... I don't know. It feels like when they they put a makeup mirror on the cover of the bell jar, you know, it's leaning into all the things that the book is talking against. Do you think that they're changing book covers because of book talk and like and Pinterest and like having an aesthetic book and bookstagram? So I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think aesthetic is a really nice like I think there's a very specific modern aesthetic, and I think there have always been like book covers have always been relative to the aesthetic of the day and popular books are getting redesigned all the time to have a cover that more suits the 
the like the the a la mode mm. aesthetic a book cover can't just be a beautiful object it needs to be a beautiful object made better because it's in conversation with the book it represents like i think that's the problem with the virgin suicides cover it's not in conversation with the book you but know? do you think then it might appeal to people who haven't read the book more if it did they're not going to enjoy the book inside it mm. you know yeah i get what you mean yeah i think a book cover the best book covers draw in as wide a readership as possible only of people who will enjoy the book yeah i'm trying to think of and who will want to read the book that the cover i'm just trying to think of book covers that don't necessarily represent the book the story that's inside but it's a beautiful book cover i'm just trying to think if that has hindered my experience of reading it but i can't think of one off the top of my head I don't know. I feel like the old Virgin Suicides cover you went into expecting something dark and twisted and kind of like messy and gnarly. I've yet, I've yet to read like Colleen Hoover books yet, but I like the covers look very beautiful. But I know they're really sad books. She, she has been done dirty. All of her covers are terrible. Yeah, like they're all sort of photographs, and they should be illustrated. Not illustrated as in they shouldn't have mm. like pictures of characters, but they should be sort of more graphic, less photographic. I don't mind them too much. I'm not sure why. I can't give you a mm. reason, but I just don't mind them. Mm. Maybe because I've seen them on so many like in like pictures and and t- book talks and stuff that I'm I'm used to its appearance. Sometimes I think that a book cover is the most is important mostly when you've got nothing else to go on so like Colleen mm. Hoover you don't you you wouldn't read I certainly wouldn't read those books from the covers alone but I'm going to read her books because I have heard so many good things from so many different trusted places you know yeah, yeah. I think there are a lot of books like that for me where it's not that the cover doesn't represent the book inside but the cover wouldn't have ever convinced me to read the book but the outside like but but I have been convinced by sort of trusted sources to read the book and I've loved it yeah I can I I agree whereas I think the problem with that virgin suicides cover is that it's not it'll get a lot of people to read the book but I don't think they'll get what they go in looking for does that make sense yeah I guess I get I guess with the like an old book like the virgin suicides I guess most most people will know what they're getting themselves into because they've heard of the book or they or they might know somebody who's read the stories or the story and the cover is just almost appealing to the aesthetic of that generation that new generation maybe I still think it deserves a cover that I think there's a cover that can do both yeah are you going to start a petition <laughs> no no I'm not I'm just going to say like I think that's the thing about cover redesigns it's not about time it's about it's about being I think to justify a redesigned cover you have to get something that does the job of a book cover better than the original 
unless you're yeah. redesigning the cover specifically to fit into like a series or something like that but like the fault in our stars that cover has never been redesigned because that cover will always be the best cover for that book i mean maybe one mm. day something better will come out but i just sort of think that cover has lasted in part because it's so simple and iconic and so representative of what you find inside the book like i think that does everything you want a book cover to do it draws you in it tells you everything and nothing about the book and it's memorable and iconic and you think about it and i think a redesigned cover is only good if it brings it closer to the ideal i guess so i think i i think i just see it in the point that maybe if you're young and you're seeing what either your parents or your grandparents and the covers of books they've read like you can tell you can almost tell when a book has been published by the cover and I think by changing book covers to have a more recent aesthetic you're appealing to a younger or the new generation of readers that haven't touched that book yet and maybe they get put off because of an old looking cover yeah no I I think you're right I, I just think there's a balance between them. You know what I mean? Like, I agree with everything that I said originally, but I will say, in defense of the pe people who designed that book, like, I don't think the old cover was necessarily outdated yet, but I do think you're right that covers do become outdated and you do need to be refreshing them to bring them to a new audience. Yeah. It's very, very hard to design a good cover for a book that um, dark and sad and unrelenting you know yeah yeah like I think that's yeah. a hard book to sell and I don't think the right way to do it is to sell it falsely I don't think I suppose one thing I'm really worried about is people not understanding that the Virgin Suicides is a book that is like 90% trigger warning you know what I mean it's a very distressing book yeah. it has some very graphic depictions of suicide and you should only read it if you feel like you like and this is something I do want to say to readers. I love the, to listeners, sorry. I love the Virgin Suicides. You shouldn't read it unless you're in such a good place that graphic depictions of suicide will not damage your mental health. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't think the old cover said that very well either, but I do think mm. that the new cover is, makes it look perhaps, I don't want to say more mainstream than it is, but more sort of, it looks lighter. It looks like a lighter read. Yeah. yeah. And I I think it's a book that it's dangerous to make it look light and airy. Do you think you know? that maybe in the future there will be covers that have like a little symbol which means like a trigger warning, whether it's about like anything that would hinder like mental health for a reader? I, I don't think, I don't think covers would, but one thing I found interesting, I opened, uh, I haven't started reading it, but I did open uh, and have a look at the mm. inside of TG Tunes mm -hmm. Under the Whispering Door. And it comes with something that is almost a trigger warning. It says like, readers should know that this book discusses death of many different types, including like suicide, unexpected. Mm. And I can't remember the third one that's oh. listed, just like, please take care before you read it. Which I thought was a really good thing to do. And I'm really glad that he did that. And I think that is maybe, something that we might see more going yeah. forwards it's it's not kind of 
labeled in big writing but it's just there on a page before you start it like by the way these are some yeah. of the themes of the book this book is entirely about death like you know proceed yeah you know yeah. with caution and when you're in a right no I think mind. that is definitely a good way to do it I also think I think I've talked a couple of times before about Storygraph which is sort of like an independent alternative to Goodreads that's not owned by Amazon mm. and they have this really good system of trigger warnings where you can get like spoiler fear people can like tag things as you know mild instances of and you can see how many readers have said oh be careful yeah. about this thing and I think that yeah. kind of thing is good having somewhere where you can I don't necessarily think the trigger warnings belong on the cover of a book yeah yeah I but I think there's a way to navigate between having it for the readers who need it but not putting mm -hmm. it on the cover yeah you know what I mean that's why I think TJ Clean put it in a good place because it's the kind of it's on one of the early pages the kind of like if you're gonna if you're in a bookshop and you flick through to maybe read the first chapter you might see it before you buy it kind of thing depending on whether or not you mm. open your books in bookshops mm. before you buy them but I think yeah. what most yeah. people probably well, do interestingly I used to do it a lot more than I do now whereas now I I only want to pick something up in a shop if I think I'm gonna buy it as yeah. a general rule obviously I'm not perfect <laughs> COVID has has damaged that, which would be, I think, the only benefit of putting trigger warnings on the, or maybe the back cover might be a better place to put it, I think, actually, not the front cover, but on the blurb, because again, everyone reads the blurb, so I think back cover, if you're going to put them anywhere, is probably but What's the interesting is, it. to me, putting it on the cover, even the back cover, feels stern, whereas putting mm. it in the book feels yeah. gentle. Mm. I couldn't tell you why, but that's yeah. just the vibe I get. It's it's almost like the front is saying, hey, are you curious about this book? And when you open it, you're like, okay, I'm interested. And I said, just before you want to read, like, just wanted to advise you, mm. maybe don't if you've yeah. got any issues. Wait. But I I was just going to say like, oh, actually, do you know what? I might change the conversation. So you go, you go Sophie. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, like, I do think you put it in the, they put it in the best place for the book. It, it comes across as like, I don't know it gives you the right vibe of like this person is just telling you to be careful for your own safety like I don't know it gives the right vibe the kind of vibes that you want yeah I was just thinking about you know how on the covers you see like the star reviews or like comments that other authors have said about the book like do you think that ruins the cover because I feel like it does sometimes oh no absolutely I don't like covers with pull quotes on them like, yeah you can put them on the back but you shouldn't put them on the front yeah I I think I don't know I think it just ruins it sometimes like it's another thing where I think it's important to sell a book but aesthetically it's not that nice mm. but I think that is one thing where I think debut yeah. authors get it because they need it whereas other authors not necessarily what's always yeah. really funny to me is when a very successful author has said something nice about a book and so their name is bigger than the name of the author <laughs> yeah it makes me laugh every time but you know do what you need to sell the book and then once you're an extremely successful author you can have whatever cover you want yeah exactly yeah one thing I'm really curious about actually and I'm gonna put you both on the spot in a kind of mean way here um I think we've talked about on the podcast before how the two of you are very much sort of keen writers of fiction in the way that I'm not and nothing specific but when you think about what kind of covers you'd like your books to have what do you think about oh gosh see this is a hard question because it's like it 
I think it does depend on the genre you're writing. Yeah. Because you wanted to pick that genre. But I guess I would love, uh, I love um, um, Stephanie Garber, her books. I really love her covers. Um, she writes a lot of fantasy stuff. And so if I was writing fantasy, I would pick a cover like hers. I especially love the fact that when you, for hardbacks, she actually has you know like foiling on the hardback itself the cloth cover I appreciate that appreciate that so much in a hardback I almost get disappointed when I just see a plain hardback like when you remove the duster (laughs) I have to say I'm so disappointed that no one puts foiling on academic books like (laughs) that's what I'm missing out on I'm missing out on the opportunity to have written a book with foiling on it and the, the thing about Stephanie Garber's hardback books is that she has four different designs of foiling designs. So the duster covers are all the same. And then you open, like you take the duster off and, and it will be, you can have one four different designs. I think that's genius because one, if you really love the book, you're, you may want to get all four different designs and okay. that's just equates to more I sales. However, I however, <laughs> I, I would like to say, Fee, if you really love the book, you would want to get all four. <laughs> Not normal. That, yeah, like I cannot imagine myself being like, I want to buy four copies of this book. Okay, I don't. But like, I mean, if I had a library, if I had like, a, you know, like a Beauty and the Beast kind of library, then yeah, maybe I would for all the people that take out the books but not for my personal collection I don't think I would go that far but I know people who do somehow like having a hardback and a paperback and different design covers if they really love a book and it's it's a collector's thing and I respect that there are some times where I already I know I already own a copy of the book but I'm like but this other cover is so much more beautiful that's the thing that does happen to me sometimes <laughs> um so yeah I really enjoy um I loved I love a simplistic cover um but I love that on paperbacks I guess more than hardbacks so mm. hardback I would go a bit more extravagant and like foiling that sort of thing maybe um a, a, some sort of picture which ties into something significant in the story whether it's a symbol or a picture um but then on a paperback I quite like the you know the secret history style cover um black swan those sorts of covers on a paperback where it's just it's all about the typography and the colors however does that mean that your paperback cover would be different to your hardback cover because that (laughs) it would how, how would the first paperback issue be the same as the hardback? And then your reissue, that can be your sort of beautiful, simplistic yeah. graphic design cover, yeah. you know? Yeah. Let's make that deal right here. Right yeah. Okay, I, I will, for yeah, the for the people. Um, and by the people, I mean me. <laughs> Safe? I think for me, it would definitely kind of depend on genre. I tend to either write like fantasy or contemporary. And I think for fantasy, I would like, you know, I like covers that kind of give you a sense of the world, like, I don't know, some sort of fister or something like that. Mm. Uh, but I think for like, I think for um, contemporary, again, I'd probably want, if it's like contemporary fiction, I'd probably just want something like quite clean and simple, you know, like mm. not 
not much on it definitely not I, I wouldn't really want like illustrations of the characters just like something that gets the vibe of the book across in like a very simple way I think is kind of where I'd, I'd land but I don't I don't really know I, I have like a hard time of trying to like visualize things so I'm like I'm not sure what I would want mm -hmm. but I think the overall thing is you'd want a really good professional to do it you know oh yeah yeah and you yeah. would like you would like yeah. some it like interaction while it's going on like I'd oh, like yeah. to know what discussions are being had about the cover and if I could you know make some suggestions <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> right um I think that's I think that's it really isn't it uh, for the episode well, um, I mean one final question oh yeah go on can you judge a book by its cover yes or no fee yeah. yes so yes, yes yes yeah no i think that's what we've established you yeah. can judge a book by its cover yeah and your opinion is your opinion yeah. so it's valid a good cover is is going to tell you everything you need to know about the book yeah. and even if it doesn't and you like the cover or you don't like the cover and it does that's up to you that's your yeah. you know yeah that's your prerogative that or we are just three very shallow people yeah but you know that's fine <laughs> at least we acknowledge it <laughs> okay well then i think we've we've covered it yeah yeah uh, okay then what's that so, on thank... <laughs> sorry i got distracted i by just got the pun oh no I did oh, get your pun. Intentional. no pun intended i oh, think wow, we've just okay. about covered it <laughs> oh i'm so great anyway Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, it was a bit of a chaotic one this episode, but we hope you enjoyed it. Um, please let us know either through Instagram or writing a review of what you thought of the episode. What are your favorite covers? Uh, let us know. And yeah, we'll be back next Friday. Find us on Instagram at the Book Table Podcast. Um, it's usually me managing the Instagram, but Annie and Sophie are also there. So if you ever want to chat, just DM us. We're very open to talking <laughs> most yeah. of the time. <laughs> Hence why we have a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we hope you have a lovely week and we'll see you again next Friday. Enjoy your week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.